are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. We are getting near game day for week two of the 2021 NFL regular season. The Dolphins home opener, Hard Rock Stadium, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it's going to be a very, very big game. Today on the show, it's Power to the Pot, which means it's your opportunity to bring your questions, hot takes, comments, observations, all of those things to the table for me to field for everybody who listens to Locked on Dolphins through the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins. Make sure you hit like the video, hit subscribe. Uh, the podcast stream, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow along. So for those of you who are tuning in live, courtesy of uh, the YouTube live stream, it's Thursday afternoon. We're getting in this in ahead of Thursday Night Football. Drop those comments uh, with what you want to hear me talk about today on the show in the chat. I have a number of iTunes reviews, which is part of our standard operating procedures for fielding questions. I'm going to start with some of those today, but not before we go through the Miami Dolphins Thursday injury report, which just came out moments ago. We are going to react to, uh, the, here's the good news. The only member of the Miami Dolphins active roster at this point in time, not including Raekwon Davis, who's on IR who was not a full participant in practice on Thursday was wide receiver Will Fuller, which everybody collectively lost their minds over uh, this morning when it was reported that he was not observed in practice. Um, but the good news is this was well, maybe not good news, uh, but at least for Will's availability for Sunday, this was a personal manner. This was not uh, an injury, so Will was not at practice today due to a personal matter, but every other member of the Miami Dolphins was an active participant, including Clayton Fezdlin with a shoulder, uh, defensive tackle John Jenkins with a knee, and I saw the play he got rolled up on on Sunday, and, and we're lucky he's a uh, full participant because that looked like it could have been ugly. Wide receiver Devontae Parker with a shoulder, Linebacker Landon Roberts with a knee, Adam Shaheen with a knee, Andrew Van Ginkle with a back, and Preston Williams with a foot. Um, those last three, Shaheen, Van Ginkle, and Williams, were limited on Wednesday, but Thursday, full participants. So that's great news for Miami. As you're gearing up to face uh, the cream of the crop in the AFC East based off of last year's results and outcomes, um, Having everybody available is huge, especially in the wide receiver room where that's kind of been a big uh, point of emphasis this offseason for the Dolphins. Going to go ahead and fire up some of these iTunes reviews to start, and then we'll shift our gear towards the uh, live stream comments. If you guys are leaving comments, they're not coming through. That's the bad news. I can always head over to YouTube and, and check out what is up there as well. But at this point in time, unless you guys just aren't dropping any, I'm not seeing any comments. But we've got plenty of reviews of the show on iTunes, including this one from JZW 
83. Kyle, it is now clear, and this is not my opinion. This is JZW83's opinion. It is now clear that absent a catastrophic injury, Justin Herbert is going to be a better pro than Tua Tagovailoa. I was all in on Tua prior to the draft and continue to think he could be a very good player, but Greer and so on have to take a loss on that one. My question is, why does the Dolphins' offense always look so erratic? They obviously make some good plays, but they rarely seem to string together the kind of sequences where you clearly see one play building off the previous play and setting up the next play the way you see from some of the better offenses in the league. You even saw that with the Pats yesterday. It just seemed like just about every snapback, Jones knew where he was going with the ball and the receiver was almost always open, whereas when Tua takes the snaps, it always seems like the play breaks down immediately and he's forced to improvise. I wouldn't agree with that, um, or at least the assessment of the Dolphins' offense and what it it plays out as. Now, I would agree that it was streaky. Uh, it, it was certainly not their most consistent in stringing plays together. Um, but I think the thing that you have to remember uh, you could use New England in their example with their offensive coordinator and Josh McDaniels, who's been there for a decade. Uh, you can think about some of the better offenses in, in Kansas City and Andy Reid and Mahomes sat for a year and obviously he's an elite quarterback, so on and so forth. Um, the Dolphins don't have the kind of continuity and experience to kind of hit the ground running. Um I, I think it is without saying that, you know, Miami had some really impressive offensive performances last year. Um, for every game that was the Rams game, there was a Cardinals game last year, and that's just with with Tua in the game. Um, I think when you have this much youth and then you also have this much kind of turnover on your coaching, uh, it, it, the rhythms are harder to come by. And I think that's why, you know, you we continue to see with this regime some of those growing pains manifest themselves in in streakiness and, and whether it's a running back and misreads. And I know Chris Kaufman posted the the Miles Gaskin misread, which I agree wholeheartedly. It should have been a ball that got tucked up inside or an offensive loom, lineman or a tight end loses at the point of attack and blows the whole play up. Like sometimes it's just one guy that can blow the whole playoff and get it all off rails. And with so many young pieces and continuously new pieces. Uh, I would preach patience here because uh, they're they're finding ways to win and mature. And as they get more consistent, I think that continuity uh, will pay dividends for the Dolphins. Finkel is Einhorn 13. Whenever I watch tape on an offensive skill player, there are always situations where the player gets inside the two-yard line where they can either make something happen and score or be stopped. I feel as though scoring more often than not is an actual translatable skill, and I look negatively on a player if they are never able to find a way to get in. Do you notice this in your evaluation of college prospects, and do you put any weight behind it in ranking players? P.S. Waddle is the guy that finds a way. He did it in week one. Yes, he did. He made it to the pie line on that foot race. Um, I think this is an interesting... Uh, it, it is, this falls more into the bucket of intangibles, uh, for me, kind of the the non-measured, but but things that stand out, whether it's their demeanor, um, kind of that it factor that, that a lot of people point to and allude to, but you can't really quantify, right? And sometimes you just see a player and you're like, like he, he gets the game. And I think Jalen Waddle's a great example of, of that kind of player. 
So was excited to see it pay dividends. Obviously, he and Randy McMichael, the only Dolphins players in the first game of their career uh, in Miami to score, score a touchdown and have over 60 yards receiving. That's great company to be in. Obviously, McMichael is a tight end, one of the more productive tight ends in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Hopefully, Jalen Waddle can go down as one of the more productive receivers in the history of the Miami Dolphins because that's that's a, a good set of company to be in. But Finkel is, is Einhorn. To answer your question, yes, the intangibles and the it factors is definitely something that I, I try to take a note of and take inventory of. And those players, like just finding good players, and, and good players are often the ones that find ways to make those critical plays happen in critical moments. Uh, E rock five twenty eight. Next question. Love the podcast. While Tua and the offensive line continue to be a work in progress. I feel the bigger issue on offense is the receivers continued inability to gain separation. This was filed three days ago. So after what we saw in week one, um, which only saw Devonte Parker and Jalen Waddle catch football. Every game I watch, it seems like every other team's receivers create more separation and in turn provide easier throws for their quarterback. I used to think this was a receiver issue last year when the addition of Waddle Fuller and a healthy Wilson would fix this while we were only one game in. It seems like nothing has really gotten better. Is this more of a coaching or scheme issue? I would start with this. Um, a one game sample size is not a healthy sample size to make any observations right? Especially when it's New England, there's a fine, intimate knowledge of each other's teams. Let's be completely honest. These, these teams know each other very well. And New England plays a lot of man. They dare you beat them. And, and I saw on the All-22 a number of double moves on the outside by Wilson that had effectiveness in creating false steps and creating space outside. But it's not really where the plays are designed to go. And I think that's to answer your question. I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know the dynamics of how they're coaching the quarterback to work their progression and where to start their eyes. Uh, but we've been through on the podcast a couple of times, what those dynamics usually look like. It's either a pure progression, which you start on this route and then you work your way across, or it's a, pick a side, which is, well, if it's middle of the field closed, which has a high post free safety, then we're going to work this side of the field with this combination of routes. If it's middle of the field open, which is two high safeties, or we got birds on a fence and they're going to run zero on us, you're going to work this side of the formation and read this combination of routes. So more half field reads to a check down. Um, I can't make any confident statements on separation, uh, but I do know Waddle gets open and Will Fuller will get open. And Albert Wilson had some double moves on the outside, but it looked like it was the backside to where Tua's eyes were starting. Or Tua's making a pre-snap determination based on the look. There were a couple of times where his eyes started one way, but it seemed as though, and, and the Savan Ahmed shot down the right sideline was a good example of this. And he got separation on that linebacker, but Tua did put it out of bounds. And Tua would have had to drive it further down the field to avoid the safety who was coming over from making a play on the ball. It was possible for that play to, to have been a big hitter for Miami uh, with the right trajectory and pace on the ball. But his eyes start left to hold the post safety, and then he hits the back of his drop, and boom, he sets, and the ball is out. So I think there are examples of, and 
Ahmed ran right past that linebacker on the outside. I'm not worried about the separation or the ability to, to be dynamic. Um, I think you'll continue to see the Dolphins expand and build upon uh, the short motions and, and crafting free releases at the line of scrimmage and working more routes across the middle of the field. New England tried to hunt some of those routes up with collisions across the middle, and, and that kind of negated some of those shallow crossers that can turn into big gainers when you got speedy guys. So I'm not hitting the panic button on separation just yet. Uh, I do think it is, uh, as you said, uh, a work in progress. Um, final observation seems like Tua almost always throws to his pre-snap read and does not effectively move through his progression. Um, so again, that comes back to, it depends on what they're coaching the progression scale to look like. And, and I can't speak confidently to that. Um, but I've seen him work progressions and, and kind of goes particularly when they go high to low. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say he does a lot of pure progression, full field reads, but I also don't, it doesn't appear as though that's what the Dolphins do offensively, uh, just from my observations uh, with two in the game. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I hope you didn't think you were going to get through a live stream episode and not have me tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, and they are good for you. Uh, so whether you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, something to grab and go, you name it. Built Bar can be it. Put it in your nightstand. Put it in your glove box. Put it in your lunchbox. I don't really care, but it's going to be there for you when you need it, and it's going to be absolutely delicious with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. I have good news and bad news. The good news is the comments section is popping, absolutely popping. And the bad news is the streamer that I'm using on my website isn't showing any of them. But my phone, little inception for you, has the comments. So we're going to finish a couple more iTunes reviews and then I'm going to get to the comment section. So if you're watching this live and there's a bunch of you who are, thanks for tuning in. I'm not ignoring you. It's Restream's fault. We'll talk to them when we're done. Uh, so our next iTunes review comes from uh, Micah, Dolphins fan in Jacksonville. Thanks for the constant Dolphins content. Been here since Travis, and I'll be here after you. Is there a Wes Welker type player that could leave the team and go be a star somewhere else? Hmm. I'm going to go with the law of averages. And I, I get the spirit of your question, Micah, but Wes's progression as a player is so against the norms and so much of the exception to the rule that I'm going to say no. And I would like to think with this regime in place, if you do have that kind of player, this is the kind of coaching staff that's going to put that player in a position to be successful and it's not going to give him the opportunity to leave. Miami's going to let successful players go at some point. It's just the inevitable life cycle of a team. Do I think Mike Gusecki can be that kind of player? No, I don't. Could I see Mike Gusecki having a successful season and then potentially leaving in free agency, depending on what the Dolphins want their tight end room to look like? Yes, especially when you consider what the expectation is for what Mike's going to get paid with the current tight end market. 
which is $13, $14 million a year. So I, I would not rule out the idea that Miami does let some talented guys walk at some point. Obviously, uh, a zero catch performance and, and 21 snaps for Mike Gusecki in week one is not super inspirational. He played less, less than 50% of the snaps offensively. But we kind of felt that coming in to the year that like, you know, that, that chemistry is going to exist and be there. But with all the new bodies in the receiving game and with Mike effectively just being a slot receiver, uh, he might be faded a little bit as far as his opportunities go. Now, his efficiency is going to stay high because it appears as though he's got good chemistry with two. Little Leon, Leon, I want to make sure I say it right as best as I possibly can. Uh, from Sweden. Um, national pundits are talking about Bill Belichick returning to his 2001 ways as an indicator of future success. That was 20 years ago. How have the rules, uh, this is a good question. How have the rules and style of play changed in the NFL since that, that could hinder the post Brady resignation and beyond the Titans and Ravens offenses to an extent, what other teams have been successful in the run first mentality? It's a really good question. Um, I would say this, that New England has consistently been ahead of the curve. And I will give this organization credit for that, for their foresight in the trends across the league and what they run the risk of doing. And I made this the, these observations with uh, the Dolphins on defense in, in week one and, and watching the All-22. Everybody else is going small. Right, the, the the nickel defender, five six defensive backs, your smaller, speedy linebackers who can play in space. That's where the value is in the NFL right now. Well, New England is saying, well, if everybody's zigging, why don't we zag and come back the other way and be very problematic from a personnel perspective? And New England was problematic for the Dolphins from a personnel perspective, in my opinion, because Sam McGuavin played himself into the rush package role as a linebacker, which means he's one of those guys who's mugged up in the A-gaps or, or walked up over top of the guard and he's on the line of scrimmage and he's ready to go. And sometimes they run this, the twist and stunt game with him and he got three quarterback hits in those situations. But other times he drops and you can't roll out dime package against 12 personnel. You just can't do it because New England will run the ball down your throat. So you have to have linebackers on the field. So Miami had linebackers on the field that, that got picked on, whether it was Elani Roberts or Sam McGuavin in coverage, and they, they just didn't have that instinctual feel for, okay, you know, there's layered crossing routes here, and New England did a shit ton of crossing patterns across the middle, um, and, and that's something that I would expect the Bills to probably replicate because the, the over routes and crossing routes in the intermediate areas of the field were where they really ate up Miami last year. So... New England broke out some of those routes as well. But at least when Buffalo's doing it, they're doing it in 12 or in 11 and 10 personnel versus New England doing it out of 12, where you feel obligated to keep more linebackers on the field. So that's the, the appeal to what New England is doing now. And if you remember back in 2007, they were way early or 2008, whatever that era was with Gronk and Hernandez, they were way ahead of the appeal on two tight end sets then as well. Well, now everybody got into the two tight end stuff. And now it's more modern and the tight ends aren't attached. And in the backfield, they're flexed out in wide receiver roles for size and mismatch. 
And then now they, they've kind of come back in and condensed everything in again to kind of put the opposing defenses in conflict. So um, it, everything's cyclical in the NFL, not to the degree where we're going to go back to, to double wing and wing T offenses or anything like that, but uh, there's ebbs and flows. And I think new England's trying to get out in front of the latest trend with how they're constructing their offense and, and challenging you physically when everybody else is trying to get speed on the field to counter the spacing issues instead. Um, but as Miami showed, you know, you, you can force that into a very methodical, uh, style of play. And if you make mistakes when you're playing that way, you're not going to create the kind of explosives that allow you to cover ground in a lot of, in a short amount of time. Very good question though. I think we're going to flip things over to the comments, the YouTube comments. Heaven help me. Here we go. Uh, Paul. Do you think the offense played a little too quickly against the Pats? After the first touchdown, the next three possessions were barely over a minute apiece. Yeah, I do think um, pacing and sustained drives is is something that Miami does need to be aware of. But at the same time, like if you throw incompletions on three straight plays, you're going to have like a 12-second possession, right? So I think it is what it is. I think there was some hard luck there. I think it was very much a chess match game. My expectation is not that it's going to be this hard offensively every single week. And if we get through week four and it is this hard every single week, then we're going to have to have some difficult conversations about the way the offense works and, and how they're trying to attack opposing teams. But for me personally, this was never going to be a, a game where somebody was trying to score 28, 31 points. This was don't, make the back-breaking mistake against the team on the other side that thrives off of letting you beat yourself. And Tua, with the mistake he made late in the fourth quarter, that's a beat-yourself type of mistake. Fortunately, they didn't make the last one. Damian Harris did. And the Dolphins won the football game as a result. So uh, I, I am aware of how quickly the um, – so those possessions went and how unsuccessful at times that they were stringing plays together. Uh, but I'm not hitting the panic button yet because it is one week. It is such a small sample size. So I'm going to take it in stride. I'm going to evaluate what they look like against Buffalo. And I'm probably not going to have any firm opinions on what this offense looks like until after week three or week four at the absolute earliest. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back for the start of yet another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface, there are even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign with today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. A little parched over here. Redemption bourbon this evening, by the way. Uh, getting ready for some Thursday night football. Uh, Orlando wants to know what's on the menu today for Bill's hate week. I can tell you 
what's on the menu for Sunday night with the Dolphins win. And I'm going to go out to the store and get some bison and do bison burgers if the Dolphins win uh, on Thursday night or on, on Sunday against uh, the Buffalo Bills. Dolphins craze. What player besides Tua will have to step up the most to win on Sunday? I think Agba or Phillips. I think those are two very good answers. Um, I look at Jason McCourty and Javon Holland, guys who are filling the Bobby McCain role. You know, Miami had Buffalo on the ropes last year. They were up three with 10 minutes left in the game. And Buffalo scored two touchdowns in a uh, short succession of about five minutes a game clock. And the last one was a play that went up over the top that a playmaking safety hopefully doesn't let get over top of his head. So whoever's in that high post, I, I think they're going to have to make some plays on the ball. McCourty played, made a great play on one against New England. Holland got some run deeper into the game. Um, but I do think from a zone coverage perspective, they're going to have to be a little tighter than what they were against uh, New England. And they were just kind of condensed. To, hey, we're going to blitz. We're going to have some holes in the back end. And we're going to bet that we can get there and heat you up and, and force you to play fast and get the ball out of your hands. So that's exactly what happened. I don't know that you're going to have that kind of success with Josh Allen. So you're either going to need more bodies in zone or you're going to have to have pass rushers step up as well. And I think from a pass rush perspective, yes, Phillips and Agua need to have big games. But don't sleep on Adam Butler as somebody who needs to have a big game on the inside. Um, I think Butler in some of the stunt game, if they do choose to do some gap exchange type stuff, uh, he can slant and crash into gaps effectively. He can knock offensive linemen off their line and create voids for Christian Wilkins to kind of loop up inside, which I saw on at least one occasion against New England, against some really heavy hitting um, interior offensive linemen for New England. So. Adam Butler is the name that comes to mind, and then whoever's playing in the back end in safety, I think needs to be able to make some big plays. Um, Omar, if Dolphins offense was described as a built bar for the Bills game, which flavor would it be? I'm going to go with mint brownie because it's gone in a second. And hopefully the Dolphins with Will Fuller on the field, who missed today with a personal issue of practice, but is not injured, should be good to play on Sunday. Hopefully they they got some explosive plays with Will Fuller on the field, and they are gone in the blink of an eye and into the end zone. So that, that's uh, a nice little plug for Bilt Bar, no less. I always appreciate a good plug for Bilt Bar. Uh, let's see, twenty three Dolphin. When is your next Miami visit? Planning on coming down for any games this year? I'm glad you brought this up. We need to figure out what in the heck we're doing for this giveaway for the Texans game. So I'm coming down for at least two games. And then I'm going up to New York for a game and then probably going to Nashville for a game. So my original plan as of right now is I'm coming down for the two games in five days stretch with Houston and Baltimore on Sunday night and then Thursday night football, both at, at the rock. And I have a free ticket and I did this last year for the Rams game and uh, had a giveaway. Somebody who had a chance to sit next to me, Abdi had a chance to sit next to me at the game uh, last year with the Rams, which obviously was a really exciting win for Miami. It was great to get to know him a little bit and, and meet up with a couple of Dolphins fans. My next trip, that Houston game right now is the first one on the schedule. And I have a ticket to give away to somebody who listens to Locked on Dolphins to sit with me for the game for the price of on the house. Uh, so if you have any good ideas on what a giveaway would be, I'm not just going to give it to you when you recommend the idea. 
But if you have any ideas for a way that we could do that, I would love to hear your input on this, given the spirit of power to the pot. I'll put that in your hands and see what you guys think. Shane, who do you have covering Stefan Diggs? Last year, Byron was on him for all of two plays and then Igbo for the first game since the second game had already been forgotten. Do you think X will be on him? Yeah, the Dolphins only played the Bills once last year, right? It was week two. They didn't play week 17, right? Let me just, you know, they, their season ended early. I don't seem to recall that game. Um, yeah, I think this has to be a case of you put your best player out there and and have him match wits with Stephon Diggs. Um, for me, that's the ideal scenario. The other option is you put Howard on the two and then you shade the safety to Diggs and have Jones with safety help bracketing Diggs more often. And that's the, the Dion method, I think, is what it's called. Maybe you mix and match. I think the big appeal, and we talked about this on the Crossover Thursday show with Joe Mario a little bit, the big appeal for Miami is so many of their personnel on the back end is versatile enough to fill multiple roles. And you kind of have those guys interchanging and constantly in flux. So it's not like we can get up to the line of scrimmage and we can identify 30s, the free safety and say, okay, I'm working. You know, I, I anticipate this coverage based on 30 being aligned at this depth. Well, the next play you come out and 30s up on the line of scrimmage and he's pressing in the slot and you say, well, wait a minute. Who's in the post now? And if you're changing the picture post-snap, that gets even more murky. And I think that's the big test for Miami is your pre-snap picture cannot be the post-snap picture for Josh Allen. And you have the personnel to, to be really fluid in what that looks like. Um, I don't have the answers. We're going to try tomorrow to piece together a what does a winning game plan against the Buffalo Bills look like. Uh, but it's going to have to be forcing the Bills to make some mistakes. And that's not been an area that the Dolphins have particularly strong in over the last couple of years playing against the Bills. Uh, Rob Tastic, would the giveaway include plane tickets and housing? You've got listeners all around, including from Sweden. I will not buy plane tickets, but if you needed to come in for a night and needed a place to stay, I got booking. So depends on who wins. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but that's... that's uh, a great question. Felipe, I need to decide what bourbon to bring to the tailgate Sunday. Driving down from Tampa tomorrow for the weekend, finally to hit up the pro shop and get that 305 hat. That's absolutely genius of you. Uh, I am a little pissed at, at Miami for holding out on a lot of the good stuff for the pro shop there at the stadium. You can't put it on the website? Come on, you're killing me. So like I, I joked with Joe Rose about that. I will I will absolutely book a ticket and fly down and go to a game just to buy the stuff at the stadium that you're, you're holding out on. Uh, what kind of bourbon should you bring down though? Felipe, I don't know if you've had it, but old Forrester, uh, 1910, if you can find it is one of my personal favorites, uh, very nuanced flavors there. Um, maybe take a look, see if you can get your hands on that. Let's see. What is, this is from you, Dotus. What is the number one thing Tua can do going forward to get more production out of himself? I'm not. I think Miami would probably take the vast majority of Tua's performance uh, on many weeks. Um, I think against a less 
well-coached team, you probably have one or two more explosive plays. Uh, obviously, the addition of Will Fuller is going to change things. That was another comment that came through in the live section. Uh, yes, Will Fuller's presence is absolutely going to change things because if he's taking some of those reps, reps from Devontae Park, I would love to see the Dolphins come out in 11 and have Fuller and Waddle on the outside and Parker in the slot. I would love to see Parker get a chance to work some of the middle routes and have double moves on the outside. And um, Tim Jenkins, who did an excellent recap of Miami's opening touchdown uh, against New England, uh, he's quarterback guru. Uh, Jenkins Elite is his company. He, I think he's excellent. Um, he did a film breakdown or install of a play at the NFL level that looked quite similar to Steve Sarkeesian's equivalent of Spear during his time at Alabama. And it is a deep post with the other side of the field has a deep over route and then some kind of flat. And when we talked a little earlier about two and progressions going through three level stretches, you know, going high to low and working your way down top down. Uh, that's an example of that kind of concept. And if you have Fuller or Waddle running the post and the other one on the other side, running the deep over, what you're really going to do is you're going to put that middle of the field safety. And if they're playing cover three, you're going to put those players in a lot of binds to have those linebackers sink to get underneath of that deep over route. Or if they are too flat footed and if that free safety sees that over route coming across the middle and hunts it up, that post is going to break into nothing but green grass over the top. Uh, so those are kind of conceptually you know, good examples of, of ways that I think Miami from an implementation standpoint uh, if you get the speed on the perimeter on both sides and you want to run deeper developing concepts and then put Parker inside where his physicality can really shine, uh, I think there's a lot of upside there. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Power to the Pod. A bunch of comments firing off. A uh, bunch of you who are in here watching this in real time. This has been the best week in the history of Locked on Dolphins from a listenership perspective, which I am so flattered by. And I want to thank everybody who listens to the show, whether you... Uh, watch on YouTube, make sure you like the video, subscribe, comment, you name it. Uh, or if you're on the podcast feed as a traditional podcast listener, uh, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast and, and we're here for you every day, your team every day here on Locked On the rest of the week for us. So this is going to go up Friday morning on the podcast stream. We also have building a defense or building a game plan to beat the Buffalo Bills. And then tomorrow night, Friday night, I'm recording with Joe Rose is another catch up with our good friend, Joe Rose of the program. And that will go up on Saturday as a bonus episode on Saturday. So uh, you're technically getting, this is episode five of the week plus build a game. You're getting seven episodes this week, uh, which I'm really excited about. And then we'll probably record the, the uh, post game episode Sunday night. And that'll go up Sunday night. So you're going to have a busy weekend of locked on dolphins. If you want it, I will certainly be here for each and every one of you Dolphins fans. Thank each and every one of you for your time, your listenership, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Enjoy your weekend.